Hi, this is Cindy Godwin, pastor of Summit Church, and this is our chosen podcast. I want to thank you for joining us today. I hope this inspires you. I hope that it helps build up your faith and remind you that God has chosen you and set you apart for His purpose. Enjoy the message. Well, how have y'all been? It's been a few years. Oh, I miss y'all too. I'm so glad to be back here. I love San Antonio. I do. It's one of my favorite places to come. This is a dynamic church full of dynamic women, and I'm so thankful to be before you on tonight. So, um, how, you know, I'm trying to think how I should start. Let's see. How about I pray? Father, I thank you, Lord God, that you ordered our steps here tonight, that you offered us another opportunity to come together, Lord. I thank you, Lord Jesus, that you called us by name and that you brought us here for a purpose, Father. And I thank you, God, that our ears are open, our hearts are ready to receive your word. And Father, we will be forever changed in Jesus' name. We all agree and shout amen. Amen. How many wild women do I have in the house? All right, how many wild women are in this audience tonight? Like wild. Yeah, wild. Man, I thought of so many titles for this message. I thought we could do um, Born to be Wild. That was a cool title, you know. Then I thought, Girls Gone Wild. But then I said, ah, that might not be (laughs) appropriate. (laughs) But tonight we're going to talk about being wild about Jesus. Wild about Jesus. Wild has many different meanings, and I love that your pastor even brought this to our attention, but wild means to have an intense and eager enjoyment, interest, or approval. And I'm wild about Jesus. I thank God that I know Jesus as my Lord and Savior. And we all know that sometimes you can get casual with our relationship, that we can become calm with our relationship. We can be tame with our praise. We can be quiet with our worship. We can be behaved and we can be calm because we're too refined to be crazy about the Lord and all he's done for us. And I'm not going to embarrass myself and act crazy for him because I'm just, God's brought me too far and I'm not going back to that. Listen, I'm sorry, but God has done too much for me, for me to sit on my feet or sit on my hands and not stand on my feet and give God praise. He has done too much in my life for me not to get a little crazy, a little radical, a little loud, a little raunchy for Jesus. Oh, come on. Sometimes you look ugly when you worship and you look ugly when you shout because he's brought you out of ugly times. And now you give him beautiful praise for all that he's done and all that he's going to do. I thank God that I'm able to enjoy Jesus. I've got pleasure in Jesus. Some of you found pleasure in other things before you knew Jesus. Can I get an amen? But now that you've known Jesus, you find pleasure in who he is, that you are actually happy that you know him, that you're amused by God. I love when we are worshiping. We're saying, God, I'm in awe of you. Don't you ever lose that awe factor with Jesus. You should forever be in awe of what God has done in your life. You should never think it's common that you woke up, or it's common that he healed you, or it's common that he delivered you. No, you should be in awe that he loved you enough that he called you by name out of darkness into his wonderful light. 
I thank God that I've got amusement and I'm satisfied in Jesus Christ. I thank God that I know that only God can satisfy. I'm just giving you reasons why I'm wild about him. I'm wild about him because he's satisfied. I can't get no satisfaction. Oh, yes, I can. It's through Jesus Christ. I, only God can satisfy me. And I love the fact that I'm so interested in God, that he makes me excited. That I get excited about the things of God. I know we've been through a lot these last couple years. And then we try to dull down our excitement. But how many of you you had that virus, COVID-19? And how many of you are still here serving God? And still here worshiping God? I, I know people passed away. I'm sorry for those that have passed. But I'm excited that to be absent from the body means to be present with the Lord. Amen. I'm excited that God was able to touch you and heal you. And you're still standing strong with a voice to give God praise and hands to worship him. I'm still excited about that. I'm excited I've got friends. I'm excited we're all here tonight. I'm excited that we were able to put on boas and walk in cute. I'm excited that the, what the devil thought had, has defeated only gave us more power to give him praise and worship and glory. I'm excited. I'm so excited and I just can't hide it. I'm about to lose control and I think I like it. Can't be calm. God's been too good. I can't be quiet. God's been too good. I can't be uh, to myself. God's been too good. I've got no shame in giving my God praise and glory. Oh, I'm wild for him. I'm wild for him. You know, when you're wild, that also means they have approval that I believe that what God did was good. Anybody relate to me that even the bad, even in the bad, what God did was good. Even in your worst times, God made it your best times. Oh, I thank God that I found approval. Not because God approves of me, but I even approve of him. And I'm wild about it. I'm wild about it. I'm a wild, crazy woman about it. I'm wild. I will pray in a moment. I'll speak t in tongues at a grocery store. I will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. I'll rebuke a teenager in Jesus' name. I'll put oil on a husband's head in a minute. I will lay hands on myself. I'm wild about him. I'm wild about God. I'm crazy about him. I'm crazy in love with him. I'm wild about him because I've been in the wilderness. I'm wild about him because I've been in the wilderness. The reason why you're wild is because you have been in the wilderness too. And I want to talk about the wilderness on tonight. Because we always talk about the good that happens in our lives, and we should. But a lot of times, things are not so good. And a lot of you here are in a situation where you've been in for a while, and you're wondering when, oh when, am I going to come out of this situation? It seems like one thing happens after another. It seems like once I get a break, I just can't go forward. Listen, I'm telling you, there's promise on the other side. And that you will get through to the other side to his promise. Yes, you will. I'm going to help you get to that tonight. The wilderness was meant to be an experience. I'm going to say that again. The wilderness was meant to be an experience and not a residence. Hallelujah. <laughs> Write that down somewhere. Wilderness is an experience and not a residence. It's a place where intense experiences happen. Jesus 
was led into the wilderness. It was tempted in the wilderness. He was led by the Spirit of God. Jesus was alone and tempted, but there was also great strength and authority found in the wilderness when it was over. There's purpose in the wilderness, and when you come out of that wilderness, you will come out with power. The only way you can have an experience is when you're able to live through something, that you have to live through it. Nobody can tell you about my experience just like you can't tell me about yours. That's why God allows us to live through the wilderness, to get an experience. The only, because listen, the only way you can get an encounter by God is if you have an experience with God. Those that don't believe in him, it's because they've never encountered him. They excuse themselves out of encounters. Oh, come on, somebody. You know when God's calling you deeper, and you're like, nope, I'm not trying to go there, and you excuse yourself. And what you do, literally, is you put yourself in a constant pattern of going through the same thing over and over again. Let me tell you this. It's because God wants you to encounter him in your experience. See, God leads us into the wilderness to be humble and to test us. Uh Uh-oh, that word humble. You can find that in Deuteronomy 8 too. The Lord speaks to us in the wilderness. Can I get an amen? You can be in the wilderness and still be free. Oh, hallelujah. Is there any, okay, I got to talk to my super saints right now. Who in here has been in the middle of hell but still free? And you're so free, you'd rather stay where you are than go back to where you were. You can be in the wilderness, a dry, a barren, a dead place, a place where there's no vegetation, a place where there's no water, a place where it seems like it's just a desert and there's no growth. Anybody been in that season where there's no growth in your life and you're wondering, God, I know I'm studying, I know I'm praying, but I don't feel like I'm growing. That's okay. You're just in a wilderness, but you can be free in the wilderness. David sought refuge in the wilderness. Understand this. Sometimes God pushes you to the wilderness to protect you. He will send you off by your little self. Oh, come on, somebody. He'll let you go where nobody knows you, that you're isolated. Not because he doesn't like you, but because he wants you to stop being dependent upon people. He wants you to get to know him. He wants that encounter. Tell your neighbor he wants an encounter. The voice of God shakes in the wilderness. I've heard God speak to me stronger in a bad place than in a good place. Can I get an amen? It'll shake you to the core when you hear the strong voice of God. God will split a rock in the wilderness. He'll provide abundance in the wilderness. He'll provide water in the wilderness. Oh, come on. Anybody remember when you were broke and had no money to get anything? But somehow, some way, God caused someone to give you something that you needed. It was in a bad place. It was in a dry place. But God showed up because he moves in the wilderness. John the Baptist preached in the wilderness. He baptized in the wilderness. Jesus often withdrew to the wilderness to pray. Have you ever thought that maybe, perhaps, you are in the situation you're in because God wants you to actually pray to him? Not think to him. Oh, there's a difference. Any good thinkers in the house? I was a thinker. Lord, I sure do think that situation should change. God, I think you can make a way out of no way. God, I think you should get involved. God, I think you should intervene. No, you have to request. Let your request be made known. You've got to tell God, I know you're a way maker. 
I know you're a promise keeper. I know you can make a way out of no way. I know you can fix this situation. God, I trust and believe that you are the author and finisher of my faith and that there is nothing too hard for you. So God, I ask you in the name of Jesus to come into this situation and change it for your glory. You got to pray in the wilderness. There's a greater purpose in the wilderness, and that's your experience. There's a purpose for your testing. There's a purpose to provide for you, to provide an opportunity for you to get to know him more. I've had my own personal wilderness experiences. And the thing about them is once you get out of one, you're doing all right for a minute. You kind of just go back right into another situation. And it's because God wants a deeper relationship with you. He wants you to know that you know that you know that you know that you have a relationship with him. He wants to understand that he is a provider in the wilderness, a protector, a life giver. He's a promise keeper. Listen, he likes for you to know you can wait on him. And as you wait, you will mount up. Come on, you will mount up as you wait. I love that song. It's the truth. Anybody been in a waiting wilderness before? When you're waiting for God to do something, and the moment you feel weak, all of a sudden this supernatural strength comes upon you. And you don't even worry about where you are anymore because you're so in tune with the supernatural natural power of God. You're like, God, I don't care if it takes 10 more years. I just want your presence more than your promise. But it's difficult living in the wild. It's hard to live in the wild. You get tired after a while of living in the wild. Don't come on somebody. I know we were giving God praise, but sometimes we're like, God, give me a break. Throw a sister a bone. Do something. Help me out, Jesus. How about this? Lord, what have I done? What did I miss? Oh, aren't you glad God isn't punishing anybody? Thank you, Jesus. But it's hard when you're in a situation where everyone else around you is giving God praise for their blessings and their miracles and their marriages are going fine and yours sucks. There's no other word. It's hard when people are getting jobs and bonuses and you just got fired or better yet, you hate your job. It's hard when everybody's kids are flourishing and doing well in school and you don't even know where yours are. It's hard when you're in the wilderness where you're like, God, I know you gave me a promise, but I'm waiting and I'm waiting and I'm waiting. And the moment I thought it was coming, it didn't. And I'm tired of waiting. It's hard when you're in the wilderness. So I want to talk about the distractions there because I've learned over my little years of preaching, I've been pastoring now 17 years in the ministry for 26 years, um, love Jesus for that long. I realized that God does his most with you when you are isolated by yourself. He does his most with you when you are in a place that you are not comfortable in. And if you're comfortable right now, enjoy it. Take a break, but get ready for the next ride. Come on. Because there's always more. This is not a negative confession. This is the life of the believer. We just came out of a major wilderness. We were shut down, right? That, y'all, that was a wilderness. I didn't know how bad I needed people until I couldn't be with people. Isn't it funny? You complained about being with people too much, and then the moment you couldn't, you're like, oh, my God, where are the people? <laughs> I miss going to places, and actually, you know, people would look at you like you were going to kill them, and they didn't want to be with you. And then remember we couldn't find toilet paper? was a wilderness. The job we hated, we couldn't go to work. That was a wilderness because we need to get away from these kids. We said, God, send them back to school, Jesus. Let's just all take a chance. 
And then our husbands were there all day. Do you have anything to do? Is there an errand to run? Is there something to pick up? We pray, God, if I could just get more time with my family. And then we're like, God, that's too much. But really, truly, a lot of people lost their minds. How about even this? They lost their spiritual walk. Some of us even now don't even know where our spiritual friends are because they're still in the wilderness. That thing knocked them out, knocked their faith back, made them forget about the habit of coming together, made them forget about we serve a God, not statistics. We serve God, not our government. We believe in the verses, not the virus. People lost their minds and mad at you because you came out. I'm not going back in that wilderness. But distractions come. Distractions take attention away from what you need to do, and they're caused by the inability to pay attention to what's in front of you. They can show up externally or internally. An external uh, uh, distraction is what you can see, what's going on in front of you, how people may be treating you. An internal distraction is how you feel. You feel sick. You feel nervous. You feel anxious. You have fatigue. You're worrying. You're ruminating over something, thinking about it over and over again. The danger of this distraction is that it becomes a habit. If you're constantly pulled away by the thoughts in your mind of what could happen or what may happen, you are living a life of distractions. And here's the worst part. The enemy knows how to defeat you. Because all he has to do is make you worry about something that you shouldn't even worry about. And now here you are thinking about what could be or what should have been. And you're distracted off of what's happening right in front of you. We all know the story of the children of Israel. We know that they were in bondage. They were set free and they were uh, allowed to cross over. And the Prince of Egypt was a great movie. And we all know the story. But it blows me away that those people who were in bondage took a trip that should have been 11 days for 40 years, all because they were distracted. They were distracted by complaining. They were distracted about not knowing what was to come. They were distracted by fear. They were distracted about not being too sure of where they were. And they were so distracted that no one realized they were going in a circle. Have you driven with somebody and you've been lost? And about the third go around, you're like, I seen, I seen that store. <laughs> we saw that grocery store an hour. We, we're lost. It's amazing to me how these people, nobody stopped to say, uh, Moses, we've been past this river about 45,000 times. That you can be so distracted that you don't even realize you're going in circles. Over and over and over again. First it was your mom's problem. Now it's your sister's problem. Now it's your uncle's problem. Now it's your auntie's problem. Now it's your manager's problem. Now it's your husband's problem. Different characters, same issue. Going in a circle over and over again. It is a distraction. It's a distraction. These people, the people that God delivered was complaining about their clothes, complaining about their shoes, complaining about what they weren't getting. God was providing for them. But because their life was in a circular motion, they couldn't see the blessing. How many of you know somebody like that? That their life's in so much of a circle, they can't see the blessing of what God has given them. And you try to explain to them that God is doing something 
before you. But all they can think about is what they don't have and what they should have had and what should have happened. That is a distraction. You could be more distracted for what you don't have than look at what you do have. And that is a horrible habit. And in the wilderness, you can find yourself in a circle. Anytime God is moving you through a wilderness, you have to refuse to get distracted on what's going on externally and internally. You've got to look at what God is doing in your life. God is teaching you something in that dry place. He's teaching you something in that desolate place. He is wanting you to change how you think in that bad place. Colossians 3, 2, and 3, it says this, set your mind on things above, not on things on this earth. We can't look at what's happening in the world around us. We came out of a, of a what was it, a pandemic, and now they're talking about a war. World War III, I rebuked that. I had a spiritual leader try to say, World War III, I said, the devil is a lie. We're just trying to get over COVID. <laughs> We all got to get over that first before we start in the world. Listen, the media will try to make us go back into a pattern of thought. We had fear ruling us for years, right? With the virus, which was a virus. Okay, that's gone. Let's do a new fear. War. And rumors of wars. Sounds like the Bible to me, but people that don't know the word are frightened. Scared to death. I'm like, okay, we're just in, it's the times we live in. Wars and rumors of wars. I'm not going to go back in that circle of fear. I refuse to be fearful. I refuse, you need to refuse to be fearful one more day. God has not given you the spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. I almost went crazy when we were by ourselves. I'm not going crazy now when we can get together. Proverbs 4.25 says, let your eyes look straight ahead and your eyelids look right before you. Women of God, don't be distracted. Look straight ahead. Look right before you. God has got great things ahead for you. God has got abundance and peace before you. He's got a life of abundance for you. I know you're in the wilderness, but you got to look straight. Don't look at what everyone else is doing. You go straight and look at what God has for you. You cannot be distracted. You can't be distracted. I'm going to say this again. You cannot be distracted. Listen, let me tell you this. If your husband argues with you on Saturday, so you guys don't go to church on Sunday, and he does that for a month, maybe you should try not to argue on Saturday so there's no excuse not to go to church on Sunday. You're welcome. I say this from a place of experience. It is a distraction. I would always wonder, we would, go, we would get along great all week long. And then for some reason, the day before church, it's a distraction. You're strong in your faith. Things are going good and your child acts up. Distraction. Tell that child to go to timeout or however else you punish them. And like, I'm still going to church. I'm still going where I need to go. You can be mad all by yourself. Matter of fact, you're coming with me. Because I tell you what to do. Be mad in the back. I don't care. We're going. Amen. It's a distraction. No one didn't talk to you about church. Well, maybe you didn't talk to anybody. Who did you talk to? Those are just distractions. Satan will use anything and anyone to keep you out of going into the promised place. 
to keep you victimized in the wilderness so you won't be a girl who's gone wild. <laughs> so get rid of the distractions. Tell your neighbor, get rid of the distractions. In the wilderness, there will also be deception. Deception means to cause someone to believe in something that's not true for their own benefit. I need you to understand that. That's why you're deceived. Somebody else wants to benefit from you believing a lie. You know, Jesus was tempted in the wilderness. You know the story in Matthew 4 and 11, that Jesus was led to this, by the Spirit of God to the wilderness to be tempted. And the enemy came to him and said, if you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Or as I always imagined, buttermilk biscuits from Red Lobster. Oh, I miss those. Jesus says it's not good for man to live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. In other words, the enemy, while you're in the wilderness, will say, you know what? Get this instant gratification. You've been, you've been sacrificing. You know you're hungry. You know you miss that flaky buttermilk, butter goodness on your lips. You've been eating kale and cauliflower rice. And you know, if you could just have one morsel of that juicy, delicious, lightly fluffed flour, you deserve it. But the truth is, you won't have a bite, you'll have the, the basket. Okay, never mind. Another message. Maybe that's just me. Instant gratification. Use your supernatural power, the devil says to Jesus, to fulfill your natural need. I want you to think about that. Use your supernatural power to fulfill your natural need. Break your discipline with deception. Is anybody going to be honest that in their wilderness, you were tempted to break your discipline with deception? Lord, I'm keeping myself till my husband comes. I'm going to give myself to the right one. I'm going to just be holy and pure. And then late in the midnight hour, you get a text. Oh, Jesus. Pretend Pastor Sydney's out here. You got that text late in the midnight hour. Girl, what you doing? Nothing. Instant gratification. God, I know it's wrong. I'm going to do it this one last time, Lord. Lord, you know my heart. I've been faithful, Jesus. I've earned at least one good time. You break your discipline with deception. You know that man doesn't want you. He doesn't want to be with you. He doesn't want to have anything to do with you. But you're weak in the wilderness because you've been waiting for so long. You are really longing for affection. You're longing for attention. It's a natural need, but you got to go to the supernatural to stop what's natural. you got to say, Holy Spirit, I need you to keep me and keep these legs closed in Jesus' name. <laughs> In the name of Jesus. <laughs> I'm sorry, Pastor Sydney. <laughs> don't break your discipline with deception. You don't have money for another baby to feed. And you know you're not going to get none for him because he don't have none. 
Psalm 37.3 says, trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and feed on his faithfulness. Don't feed on the, what you need in the natural. Feed on his faithfulness. You can actually chew on what God has done for you. He's been good to me. He's been faithful to me. He has loved me in the midnight hour. He has held me when I wanted to be held. You can chew on that time where God actually took care of you and made that need and desire go away because God's love is so fulfilling and so powerful. Powerful. You can feed on his faithfulness. And then Jesus here is tempted, and the devil took him to a holy city to stand at the highest point and said, If you're the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He will command His angels concerning you, and they will lift up their hands so that you will not strike your foot against the stone. And Jesus answered him, It is written, Do not put the Lord your God to the test. Do you realize during the wilderness that the enemy will question your identity in Christ? If you're really who you say you are, Satan does that to all of us. Woman of God, if you're really who you say you are, and you say you're so faithful, let's see. You say you're so committed, then let's see. You say that you're so dedicated, well, then let's see. You tell that lying voice to get behind you, that I'm not going to give in to get into question who I am. I know who I am. I am wonderfully and fearfully made. I was designed before the foundation of the earth. God has called me by name. He calls me his daughter. I belong to him. I am his. My daughter, my, my, my daddy is a king and a priest, which makes me royalty. You've got to talk back to the devil and tell him, who you are in Jesus Christ in the wilderness. I know I'm dusty, but I belong to him. I know I'm thirsty, but he is my holy living water. I know I might not smell that good right now, but when I worship him, it's like sweet aroma in his nose. Come on, y'all. You got to talk back to the enemy. Don't look at where you are currently. Look straight. Tell your neighbor, look straight. Can I get a towel? I'm up here sweating like Whitney Houston, RIP. But I'm just. Thank you. Are y'all enjoying this? I'm coming from a place of experience. The reason why I can preach you this way is because I've experienced it. I've experienced, all of us have an experience, and that's why I can preach with confidence that what you're going through is not going to take you out. It's only going to mess with you for a little bit. You can still love him in the wilderness. You might feel defeated in the wilderness. Defeat means to be overthrown by adversity or beaten in battle, to be overwhelmed, to be overthrown, to be crushed. And I know what that feels like. When you are truly striving to serve God, and you're truly striving to know God in spirit and in truth, and you get hit with yet another disappointment, another betrayal, another letdown, another closure. You are in the wilderness, and you are defeated. And you're wondering, God, at what point am I going to come out of this situation? How about this? God, where are you? Are you even here? Of course he is, but these are okay questions to ask because at least you're still interested to know if he's around. 
Oh, come on. I believe some of you have put yourself down because you feel bad. You've asked God, are you here? No, that just shows you're still interested in him. That shows you're still wild about Jesus because you're like, God, I'm needing you right now. Are you even in the room? And he says, yes, I am. You'll feel defeated, but you are not defeated. You can feel soaking wet, but you get a towel and wipe off your face. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, ma'am. Ma'am. Thank you. Oh, water too. Oh, what else you got? What else is coming? Water. I need water. You know, interesting thing happens when you start working out a lot. You sweat more. Mm-hmm. Hold on. That was good. <laughs> you're not defeated. You feel like you're being brought to your knees, but you are not defeated. I'm going to toss this back. You feel like you can't, you can't make it, but you're not defeated. You're not defeated. Um, there's nothing wrong with sweating. That means you're working. It's called sweat equity. There's nothing, come on, Holy Spirit, that was revelation right now. Shondai, it's called sweat equity. There's that, when you're sweating, it proves you're working. When you're sweating, it means your heart's racing. When you're sweating, it means you're burning calories. Oh, come on, somebody. Can I get a calorie burner praise right now? When you sweat, it means you're moving. It means you're active. It means you're fighting. When you're sweating, it means you've got the victory. So you're not defeated. I used to think sweating was a defeat. Sweating meant quit. No, sweating means keep on going, keep on pushing, keep on toiling. It's not in vain. There is a promise on the other side in Jesus' name. You are a conqueror. You are one who wins the battle. You've already won the battle. You overthrow the devil. You've got Jesus Christ, the one with the almighty power, living and breathing on the inside of you. There is nothing that you cannot do when you understand this wilderness is not my residence. This wilderness is is temporary. This wilderness is not going to keep me down. It's not going to hold me back. I'm going to give you glory even in the wilderness. Romans 8.37 says, yet in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. You are more than a conqueror because he has love for you. And because you are in the wilderness, woman of God, you have wild faith. Because you are in the wilderness, you have wild praise. Because you're in the wilderness, you have wild worship. I didn't know how to really praise God until I was in a desolate, dark place. It's easy to praise him when everything's going good. But it gets difficult when you don't know what is going to happen the next day. But I realized that if I got by myself and gave God worship anyway, I would feel a peace that surpassed all understanding. I understood that if I began to worship God, even though people might look at me because they know my situation, they might call me crazy, but 
but I'm going to tell you, no, what God is about to do in my life is going to be crazy because it's not going to make any sense. God is going to blow your mind by what he is going to do in you and through you. You might be by yourself, but your worship becomes wild. Have you ever been in service where you try to contain it and you don't want to go to the front, but something draws you to the front? It draws you to worship. It draws you. And you are find yourself on your face giving God glory. And your family's looking at you like, what is wrong with her? Don't worry about what is wrong with me. God is doing something with me. He's doing something in me. I can't be down by myself and quiet. He's been too faithful. He's been too faithful for me to be quiet with my praise. I got to give God a radical, raw shout because he is overcoming. He is all-powerful. He is almighty. And more importantly, he deserves it. Oh, he deserves it. I won't be defeated. I won't be distracted. I won't be defeated. I won't be distracted. Do you know that Hannah was in a wilderness experience? Hannah was in the wilderness. She was barren. She couldn't have a child. She was in a desolate, dry place. But she began to worship God to the point that the priest thought she was drunk. I'm talking about that kind of wild worship. Anybody been drunk before? Don't raise your hand. Come on. Amen. But that must be some crazy wild worship if the priest thought she was stumbling and falling and slurring her words. But that's wild worship. The woman with the issue of blood was in a difficult place. It was not supposed to be in public, but she was so sick and tired of being sick and tired that she pushed herself to break the rules and went and found a man named Jesus. She was interested in Jesus. She needed Jesus. She didn't care if she would get in trouble for going out in public. She had wild faith. She needed a healing. Has anybody been there where your faith has to be wild? I know I'm not supposed to be here, but if I don't get a touch from Jesus, I won't get well. The woman with the demon-possessed daughter. And some of us mothers can relate to that. (laughs) Demon-possessed daughter. You know it's true. And the disciples said, get away from him. Could you imagine you're begging Jesus and the other people, get away from him. You're bothering him. He don't have time for you. Oh, doesn't the devil lie to us? Stop bothering Jesus. If he cared, he would have fixed it by now. Could it be that you're in that wilderness, that dry place, that place where you feel like you're being ignored because Jesus wants to know how bad do you want to know me? I know you want the healing, but do you want to know me? (laughs) There's going to be a time in your life where God's going to ask you, yeah, I heal, but do you want to know who I am? Do you want me to reveal who I am in you so you can know who you are in me? That wild pursuit, that wild faith pushed her to touch him and be healed. To have wild, passionate faith with Christ also means to have approval. And I believe I was sitting here on this night When your beautiful pastor called me to ask if I would do this event, I even knew then there was an assignment on this night. That, yeah, 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 you know Jesus for a long time. You've been saved your whole life and you've been in church. But you know what? Your interest is gone. 
Your curiosity of who he is is gone. Your, your uh, waiting in the wilderness has been too long and you're just figured I'm gonna be here for the rest of my days and it can't get any better than what it is. The devil is a lie. Your life will get better. It will improve in Jesus' name. And perhaps the reason why it hasn't improved is because you complain like the children of Israel. You know complaining is contagious. Maybe you're talking to a complaining friend and because they're not free, they don't want you to be free. Oh, you got to be careful, your friends. If they don't speak the same language, find the blessing of block. Deliverance and delete. Maybe you're here tonight. Well, I know some of you are here tonight. Because the one part you don't get is the approval. I don't approve of what situation I'm in. I can't agree with the situation I've been in for so many years, for so long. God doesn't want you to approve of your situation. He wants you to approve of his goodness. I know what it feels like, ladies, to be in a service and feel like God loves everybody in there but me because of the situation I put myself in and couldn't seem to get out of. But one day, it hit me, I can praise him in the desert the same way I can praise him on the mountaintop. I, I can praise him in a dry place the same way I can praise him in a blessed place. Matter of fact, I'll make the place blessed because I'm praising him right there. And I feel like deliverance is going to happen tonight and even breakthrough and even crossing over. If you could just come to grips and say, God, I don't like where I am, but I still find approval in you. You are still a good God. You are still a kind God. You are still a loving God. You still are the author and finisher of my faith. You know how long the page is going to be on it before it's turned. And I trust you. And I'm telling you right now, if that's you tonight, you get up and stand to your feet and come to this altar. I'm going to pray for you because you're going to have a crossover breakthrough in Jesus' name. Tonight is your night that you're going to come out of that circular living, that habit of life, and you are going to cross over unto the other side. Don't be shy if that's you. I want you to come up to the, to the altar. I'm going to pray for you because I believe that this is a Holy Ghost moment that right now God sent you here for you to say, God, yes, I... Don't agree with it, but I approve. I approve you. Because you can be resentful to the Lord and not even know it. You can be mad at God. Oh yes, I know we don't like to say it, but there's plenty of times in the Bible where David was mad at God and Job was mad at God. Even Jesus was mad. Remember he said, God, if possible, take this cup from me. But Jesus, of course, that nevertheless, your will be done because he's perfect. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Oh, I love God. It's okay, cry. Tell him, God, I'm sorry that I've been disappointed because I haven't been able to see 
the good you're doing. He does good in the most painful spaces of our life. Approve of him to move in that area. Tell him, God, you can touch me there. Oh, thank you, Holy Spirit. You let him touch you everywhere else, but that one place, that one memory, that one betrayal, that one lie, that one letdown, that one thing that should not have happened to you. Tonight, say, God, you can touch that area tonight. God, I give you permission. I give you approval to touch the painful area of my life. I can't do this. You have to do it. I hear deliverance in the room, crying in the room. Some of you haven't cried in so long. You need to just let tears flow. It's not a sign of weakness. It's a sign of strength. And as God touches your body, that will be broken off you in Jesus' name. No longer will you have bad dreams. No longer will you have bad memories. No longer will you go on Facebook and be triggered by something. No longer will you go to social media and get your feelings all riled up. Stop stalking the one who hurt you. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Stop it. You're cutting yourself and God wants you to be healed on tonight. It didn't work out. He's not good enough for you. God blocked that thing and he's good for it. God wants his best for you. Yes, it hurts. Yes, you might be alone, but he does great things in lonely places. And it won't be for always. So hands up, Father, in the name of Jesus, I speak your power in this room. I ask your Holy Spirit to sweep through these women, God. Father, touch them in ways that only you can touch them. Father, I thank you, Lord, that you've kept them in the wilderness. You provided for them in the wilderness. You have sung to them in the wilderness. You have sustained them in the wilderness. And God, in the name of Jesus, they're going to finally approve of you. And they're going to say yes and amen to you, God. And they stand surrendering to you, God, that you're going to move in their life. You're going to move in their emotions. You're going to move in their mind. No longer will be they be distracted in the name of Jesus. The distraction is removed. The disappointment is removed. The letdown is gone. Father, I thank you that they will open up their mouth and give you glory and give you praise. That they will sing a new song to you in the desert. Father, I thank you, Lord God, that you're opening up a way in the wilderness and that they will cross over once and for all. I claim it done. I claim it done. I claim it done in the name of Jesus. Come on, give God a praise in this Thanks again for joining us. If you enjoyed the podcast, subscribe and share it with a friend. You can hear more messages by visiting chosenessay.com. Be sure to follow us at Chosen Essay on Facebook and Instagram.